happy Friday to all of you. And uh, I really am excited for you to listen today to Justine. I, I mentioned that I once again came across Justine's uh, beautiful uh, feed about two years ago, two, three years ago. Um, and it's a, another reminder to me again about boundaries in another way. And it's about what we are scrolling on social media. I'm very conscious of what I what I look at and what I scroll. Um, obviously, social media is a big part of my life as it's part of my business, but I also really want to be aware and conscious of what I am also taking in. And I really wanted to introduce uh, some of the main um, main people that I watch uh, onto this podcast because I feel they are. Um, they're such an influence. And uh, Justine, Justine is from New York and she shares so beautifully and bluntly, which is what I always like, uh, some wonderful pieces of like nuggets as I call them. Uh, and it's all about boundaries and understanding your own your own relationship with self as well as those around you. So Thank you, Justine. Lean on in with us today. Grab that cup of bliss. And right around this time of the holidays, this is one podcast to really bite your teeth into. Enjoy. Hi, it's the girl out there right here with you. It's me, Cindy. And this week I am here with Justine Carino. I hope I got that right. And we are going to talk all things relationships today. I am so excited. Um, Justine, you are going to do a much better job of um, explaining with passion what you do. Um, but I will uh, just do a little bit of an intro and how I found you and discovered you. Um, you are um, a licensed mental health counselor. And I discovered you through uh, the wonderful world of Instagram. Yeah. And I, I just I found your page. I, I don't even know how, uh, to be honest, I just, I, I just your posts um, hit hit my heart in a way and people know who know me know that when I I find something it just it it hits that soul and I know um that it's truth I I often will um put your posts on my stories for my followers to read and um I work with a lot of couples and a lot of people who are just really trying to dig deep for their their own selves and your words just always resonate so well with me. And as everyone knows, I cry on every single one of my uh, podcasts. So I guarantee I'm, I'm almost going to do it now um, <laughs> because what you write is so truthful. Um, and it's, it's helped me already, even just in the few years that um, I've been following you. Um, and it's just, it's, it's um, sometimes blunt. I love like what you write it's it's blunt and clear and it's good and I like that so um if you want to share just a little bit about what you do and how you work with other people and then we can get into what we are going to talk about today 
First of all, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You know, I started an Instagram account really for like fun with psychoeducation to spread some awareness to anyone out there that was interested in improving their lives and their relationships. And then it started getting more and more traction. So sometimes I put up something, I'm like, does anyone really read this? I hope someone gets it. So I'm so thankful for that feedback. I really appreciate that. And I'm honored to be talking with you today. So yeah, I'm a licensed mental health counselor and I have a private practice in New York and I work with teenagers, young adults and 20 and 30 somethings. And I um, provide treatment in anxiety disorders. That's my specialty. But I also provide treatment for depression, um, bereavement support. But I also do a lot of relationship work. And I can do the relationship work with the family as a whole. That's one of my areas of expertise is family therapy. But I also do mostly individual work. And I help individuals learn how their early family relationships impact their current relationship patterns as adults um, and the strengths that were there, but also the weaknesses that are there. And I also use um, cognitive behavioral therapy techniques, which really breaks down how someone's thinking about things and how those thoughts impact how they're feeling and the choices that they're making and the way they behave and act out in this world. And it ties together with um, these family system techniques that I use because a lot of how we think and feel is related to the family that shaped us. So that's how I approach um, treatment with my clients. So, and I also host the podcast Thoughts from the Couch. Um, so I'm having a lot of fun with that too. Amazing. Um, so yeah, you see you, you have worked typically with, with young children and with younger adults. And I have seen that is such a, a special um, group of people. So much is happening now with anxiety and depression in, in our world, far more than when um, I was a, um, a younger adult um, and a huge shift. Um, and are you finding in that um, age that uh, is it, is it the outside sources? I'm just curious, like, yeah, there's a lot that, um, our teenagers today are expected to handle, but they can't, I mean, we can barely handle everything being thrown at us as adults. And then you have, I work with like 15 and up. So you have a 15, 16, 17 year old that is really starting to form an identity in a sense of self that's getting interrupted by, constant social media, constant um, connection and overload, overstimulation. There's not a lot of time for people to self-reflect at this age anymore. Like we, when we grew up, we could, um, there's no downtime. There's so much pressure academically to get into certain colleges. So they're being asked to do so much in so little time. Um, and then we have the pandemic that really made such an impression on so many young adults and teenagers too, which set off a lot of other feelings of anxiety and depression for um, the teenager at the time for so many different reasons. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with the way our society runs at such a fast pace with a constant overload of information and connection that it's really hard for young adults to reflect on themselves and have a quiet mind, unfortunately. 
Yeah, it is. I, yeah, that's just an intro. I just wrote that down just because I do think I do work with a lot of younger adults now who are coming towards me um, as well. Cause they're just saying, I just, I don't know where else to turn. And uh, the reason, reason I'd asked you and this year uh, for my podcast is looking um, to have uh, the balance between me being spirituality and science and mixing those together because for me I believe we really need to be doing both right science and spirituality because combined we have such a healthy balance yes um, and you know, this is the generation coming up for us and the, the more we can nourish them and support them, the better. So yeah, that is uh, something and definitely coming out of the pandemic. I really was curious to see how, how they all are, are doing and we're not even coming out of it. We're still in it. Yes, it was hard. I mean, I have a constant wait list and so do colleagues. Um, so it's, we're overwhelmed with, you know, we need more people out there willing to work with young adults and teenagers right now. There's not enough, there's not enough resources, unfortunately, especially, and I don't want to go on a tangent, but college campuses cannot meet the demands of college students seeking support on their campuses and they're being referred out to outside practitioners and outside practitioners can't take them. So we are caught in this, we're stuck, you know, we're really stuck with how we can help these young adults um, live in a healthy way right now. So it's been so it's like nonstop for the past two years really has been. Wow. Yeah. It's tough. That is, that's good information. I think for, for all of us to hear and for all of us to think about, because I think the reason I'd asked you to come on is all about relationships and the tension and family of origins, which um, I think also ties into this next generation, which will be building their own relationships and their own, um, their own, their own creation from here. Um, uh, because I think the, a lot of the, the people I work with are, um, you know, people in their forties and um, that would also be couples. And they're also sort of coming into this new um, self their new, new self. And um, they're really, uh, what I find interesting is they're really wanting to keep their relationships going. Mm-hmm. So it's, they're not wanting to leave their, their, their marriages. They're wanting to, to figure out a way to sort things out, awesome. but how? And so um, they're frustrated, I think, just being very honest. Um, and But a lot of the time they're frustrated with themselves. And so they're looking at this person they've, they've chosen, they're with each other for a very long time. Um, and so how do they make this work? And also to be honest, they also financially, they're saying, I can't leave. Um, there's that too, can't leave. So how do we, work together how how do we actually stay together and fall back in love these are all the sort of things that i'm, I'm seeing now where they're saying I, I want to make this work how do i do it and knowing that there's these outside influences that are on them as well yeah so so much to comment on and yeah <laughs> You know, our, the family of origin work is so, it's a crucial element that I think, unfortunately, a lot of 
psychotherapists and coaches miss. Um, and it's, and it's so, um, cliche to think of like, you go to therapy and you talk about your childhood, you know, but that's for a reason. Um, cause we have to make peace with some of our trauma from childhood in order to live healthy relationships to, as an adult today. What I love about, and when I say family of origin for anyone listening, it's referring to the people that raised you. So you could be coming, you were, maybe you were adopted. I'm referring to the parents that raised you, but also your connection to your the your biological parents. I'm talking about your siblings. I'm talking about your grandparents. I'm talking about whatever your family looked like while you grew up and the important people in that family. Um, that's what I'm referring to for anyone listening. But one thing that I love about um, the 20 somethings I work with is I find that it's this sweet spot. Am I allowed to curse on here? Yeah. 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 <laughs> in your twenties, I feel like it's this sweet spot where people start to first figure out how fucked up their family was <laughs> because the teenagers aren't ready to look at that yet. They're not independent yet, but the 20 something year old isn't independent enough to be like, holy shit. Like I didn't realize how fucked up my family was. And then they can do this work because now they're starting to pair up for that relationship. So that's like my sweet spot. But that being said, I work with so many, I work with 30 somethings, 40 somethings, 50 somethings that are able to do this work and make awesome changes once they are in that relationship that they've been in for years. So I want to put that out there. So I'll go into it. So our family, um, it has direct influence over how we have relationship with people in our lives, with both our friendships and our romantic partners, and even like in our career with bosses. So anytime we have a relationship, a lot of how we're interacting in it is influenced from our family of origin relationships. Um, because families, we want to look at them as like a blueprint to a house. They're this template that models how to process our emotions, how we interact with other people in conflict, how we um, engage with people in this world. They are crucial in helping us learn emotion regulation. You know, how do we cope with anxiety? How do we cope with sadness? How do we express anger? How do we even express love? Some families didn't know how to even show how to express those good emotions, happiness, love, and joy. So we're all set up with these modeling behaviors of emotions and relationships that we carry with us into our own relationships as adults. To add to this, families work as a system, right? We each have a role in this system. And these roles were subconscious and they were adapted over time. Um, and they were really based on the circumstances of the family. They, these roles emerged without anyone really knowing it or talking about it. It kind of just fell into place. It's not like it was assigned. Um, and whether or not these roles were healthy or unhealthy, they served an important purpose. Um, they kept like this homeostasis of the family system going, right? And if one part of the system broke off, the system had to rearrange, right? We had to fix the system. And that caused people to rearrange roles at times. And that was uncomfortable for people. Um, many typical roles I see when working with clients are like these pretty typical roles that you might see like in a high school um, TV show, like the, the good girl, the rebel, um, the golden child, the, the mess up, the caretaker, the mediator, the peacemaker. And I'll 
talk to clients in session and I draw out their family tree and I do something called a genogram. And sometimes we'll have fun and we'll label like, who were you in your family and why were you that way? And who was your brother? Who was your sister? Let's look at your mom and her family she grew up in. What role did your mom play as a child in her family? And we really get comfortable understanding these roles and the functions of them. Does that make sense? Yes, 100%. Yeah. So these roles were really useful in childhood for our survival to maintain the family's baseline, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They worked for us really well. But as we become adults, we learn that these roles are no longer useful. um, And actually, Mm -hmm. they can be really unhelpful at times in our relationships. So sometimes Mm -hmm. in our romantic relationships, we're still playing a certain role that we're used to. And it's not working. because your partner played a role in their family too, that they're used to. And maybe these work really well together or maybe they don't, maybe they really clash. And we have to learn to shed these roles, um, let go of them, work on ourselves to create this new family, this new relationship and this partnership to help it function in a healthy way. Um, So we go, when I talk to anybody, we go back in time, we really understand their roles, what their family was like, how they've played these roles out in their life. And when this role has benefited them or when it's hurt them. And sometimes if they're in my office, we realize this role is hurting them and we want to change this role in their life. Wow. It it does. It makes, that makes perfect sense. I remember I, when I left my marriage, I listened to one bit of information, which said, when you leave your marriage, pay attention to who you get drawn to in your family of origin Mm -hmm. immediately after, because you're grieving, because that dynamic probably isn't the healthiest and you are going back to that enabling behavior for yourself as well, Mm -hmm. um, because you're still probably not healthy and you are going back to something you're used to. Mm-hmm. So I had, to, it was a really good thing for me because I still was sorting and I immediately went back to, okay, well, who in this family of origin of mine, am I immediately going back to like for, um, for advice, for support, all of these things. And I was really paying attention to it, to it going, this is very interesting. This is very similar behavior to who I was married to. Fascinating. Because the, the topic was. Yeah, the topic was who you marry is probably very similar to who in your family of origin, you probably write your that same behavior. Yes. And so the information was until you correct that um, dynamic in your family of origin, you will continue to have the same um, relationship in your life. And, uh, and that's the life, life lesson. And so it was interesting for me. It was nothing, it's not that person's fault in your family of origin. You needed it. It's like a mirror for you, right? But it's your own behavior that you you need to correct. So like you're saying, um, you know, look at your own, own role in your family of origin and why you were there and why you're choosing it. And it's not really your your relationship's fault. It's but it's for you now to understand your pattern and why you no longer need it in in this time. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. So on point, so accurate because you know, it's interesting and it doesn't make sense, but what is, what's comfortable for us can also be really dysfunctional and unhealthy. 
but we seek what is comfortable because we know how to deal with what is comfortable. Even if it's unhealthy for us, we just, we know how to deal with it. Um, and I'm just thinking like, I'm giving random examples. Like let's say there's a woman who grew up in a family with an alcoholic father. She knows exactly how to handle an alcoholic father. She knows exactly how to handle an alcoholic husband. They are one in the same. She is good at it. It's fucked up. It's dysfunctional, but she is great at how to either take care of that person or um, she saw codependency between her parents in the alcohol relationship. So now she's learned, she's playing that out herself. Um, and it might be harder for that woman to be in a relationship with someone that's sober because that's new and she doesn't know what to expect and it's unpredictable and boring, right? We hear that a lot. Yeah. Oh, I'm so bored in this relationship. Sometimes boring's a good sign for somebody um, because it's different, you know? So what you're saying is so true. We play out these patterns in a romantic life and that, and then we're, we're sick of it. And then like three relationships later, you know, we're like, why am I in this pattern? And then we have to go back in time and make those connections. Yes. And it's very hard for us um, to actually look at our own right? It's very uncomfortable. It's much easier for us to look at somebody else rather than sit and welcome that unwelcome of our own and go, Ooh, okay. What, <laughs> what, yes. is, what is this for us? <laughs> it's a lot totally. of healing work for ourselves. It takes a little bit longer. <laughs> yes. It takes a little bit longer and it takes a lot of courage to like really look inward and, and like, you want to do two things. You want to validate yourself and be like, okay, yes, this person made mistakes and they didn't treat me well, but why did I tolerate it? What about me set me up to tolerate this for a certain amount of time? Yes. And that is where the work is. Yes, exactly. Um, so true. And, uh, and so then when you're, so when you're working with people to understand why, how did they tolerate it and what can they do? What sort of action plan would that look like? Like, what can that be for a person? Yeah. So first, so you're asking how, once they learn like, okay, I'm tolerating something. What do I do next? Kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So you really want to like understand the role that you grew up in and the role that was, you know, you were yep. playing out how that, how you're playing that role out now in, in your partner choices, right? And then you want to start to look at how you can set new boundaries for yourself in the next relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and that is hard because that takes a lot of practice, but there's so much we can learn about our family's boundaries and what those boundaries were like, um, and then correct that going forward for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so, I can go into that for a little bit if you want to head into that, yeah. you know, <laughs> boundaries are like such a hot topic right now. Um, and I want to correct some things about boundaries too, because sometimes there's like the wrong information out there. So boundaries look very different in each family. Um, and what I want to talk to is like what I've learned in my training. So one, two, there's two ways of looking at it. Some families are fused and enmeshed with each other, right? So this means there's very loose boundaries. Um, there's a lot of overstepping, there's intruding, a lack of privacy, assumptions easily made, maybe like too much togetherness, um, 
someone's made to feel guilty if they're very different or have different points of view. You might see a mother and a daughter being best friends in, instead of this hierarchy of mother and daughter, right? Um, mm -hmm. So things are very loose in, in that kind of fused enmeshed family system, very dependent to regulate your emotions on in the relationship with someone else, right? So let's say we have a very anxious daughter. She calls her mother 24 seven, crying or asking her to make every decision and guiding her of who, who she should date, who she shouldn't date. That's an enmeshment, right? This daughter is so dependent on this mother to make these decisions, make these choices. She's looking to her for direction. That's unhealthy, right? We want this daughter to have her own decisions. Then there's another type of boundary that's unhealthy, which is the cutoff. Right. So that's where I think information online gets misconstrued. I think there's a lot of talk about toxic relationships and everyone first thinks, all right, if it's toxic, let me cut it out of my life. Get rid of it. That's OK and accurate. If there's physical abuse and emotional abuse, clearly, repetitively get that person out, move on. But most of the time there's this area of unhealthy behavior patterns that can be worked on. But the cutoff is resembling um, like that you can't tolerate what's happening and you don't, you can't find a way to resolve this conflict. And that's unhealthy too. So when there's a lot of cutoff in families, there's anger, anxiety, tension, and distance. And these are very rigid boundaries. You're either in or you're out. You made one mistake and you're out. Well, that's kind of harsh and too rigid, right? So there's either this fusion and enmeshment or this cutoff. So when a parent, when a when a person starts to learn about their role in their family, they also wanna assess these boundary patterns in their own family. And if they're playing it out in their current relationship, are they too enmeshed with their partner, right? Are they always making excuses for their partner? Do they enable their partner's behavior? Do they have a hard time um, telling the truth to their partner because they're afraid of their partner's reaction? Are they dependent on their partner for their happiness or for their emotion regulation? Um, so th that person really wants to look at how they interact with their partner, right? And is there some codependency going on there that is has been formed and shaped because of their own family history or the opposite? Are they not giving the relationship a good enough chance? Are they like trying to get out too early. They're like, okay, this is uncomfortable. He made a mistake. She made a mistake. I'm out. This relationship's done. And they find themselves in this pattern. Like I I'm heartbroken again. I wish it worked. And then that person wants to think, are they leaving too soon? Are they avoidant? Are they giving up too soon? And is that because of what was modeled to them? Is there a pattern in their family that cut off was what they did. Like no one's talked to uncle Bob for 25 years and they don't really know why, but that was modeled like, okay, when we have an argument or conflict, goodbye. And that's not always the healthiest thing to do either. Right. Um, so I hope that answered your question. No, that was good. I know it was good. That was great. I was just, I am just curious about understanding all of, there's so many boundaries, right? And so really, um, and I think that's, you, you often don't realize all the different types of boundaries, even hearing that now, mm -hmm. you realize how unique every single system of a family is yeah. and how one family can have such a unique uh, reaction to something compared to another one. And um, I was talking to you a little bit about how uh, before, how um, 
this can get so muddled with, um, which I've found with with my own life as well as um, uh, with other um, couples working together where uh, a family of origin can come in where um, couples can, it, I'm gonna try my wording again, where people can, um, it, it can create such tension with couples where they're trying to be truthful with themselves yet they don't always share what's happening in their relationships due to family of origin where they're scared to be completely honest about what's happening in their relationship or you know perhaps maybe they're trying new things or they're wanting to you know be or, you know maybe they I, don't, I can't even think of what the example might be maybe they're partying a lot and that's great for them or or they're exploring something new in their life, but their family of origin doesn't agree with that. So one of them says, don't tell my family what we're doing. And um, so they that builds and builds and builds. Um, so then the they become resentful with each other because they don't understand why they're not being totally honest. Um, does that make sense? Totally. And I think like, I'm also like laughing too, because like, there's probably little things that you say to your partner, like, don't tell my mother that I hired someone to clean our house this weekend. Like yes. if she, you know, like those little things, like, yeah. no, like our family, we are cleaning our own house. And she would like drop dead if she found out, you know, like there's little things. And then there's really big things big too. Thing. That's like, do not tell my mother that blah, blah, blah. Right. Yes. And that's what we're talking about. Those big things, big things. Um, so out of the different types of boundaries that we have in our family system, our goal is to be differentiated. And so differentiation is this process of freeing yourself from your family's own processes and to define, to define yourself as an individual, right? This means being able to have different opinions and values than your family members, but being able to stay emotionally connected to them at the same time. And a lot of families struggle with this. And we saw a lot of families struggle with this in from March, 2020 to the election for 2021. I can't tell you how many families sought therapy because they disagreed on how to handle the pandemic and they disagreed on the presidential candidate in the United States. Wow. So this was like so much cutoff happened. So much conflict happened because family members had different opinions and felt like they weren't allowed to have different opinions. So you want the family that can vote for a different president and still sit down and have dinner and talk about something else. So that's like my example of differentiation. You're still loved and connect and you can have a conversation about your differences, but you're not judging each other or putting yourself down for differences. So I'm guessing the people that have to really keep huge secrets about their relationship with their family is a little clue that maybe it's not fully differentiated yet, unfortunately. And that's where we'd want to unpack. Like, why can't you tell your parents the truth about whatever? What fear comes up? What are you afraid is going to happen, right? And then we, we really get to know those fears. We see the patterns that brought those fears there from childhood, how they've played out. And then we experiment and we say, let's take a baby step and try something different. You've always kept these secrets to protect this peace in the family. And when people start to change and they set new boundaries and they become more assertive about who they are and they try to differentiate in a system that's fused, 
chaos can ensue for a little bit. People don't like the change. People like the way the family's been functioning. We can all predict how this family goes. Now you're throwing something at me. I'm not used to this change. So it's extremely uncomfortable to start to change boundaries and set them and to tell a parent, like, I'm in this relationship and this is how our relationship works. And I'm now different than you. I still love you as my mother and father and I respect your opinions, but I'm an individual and I've made my individual choice about how my current relationship is going to work. That's hard to do. And there's a lot of reaction to that from families. It's hard work. Right. And that, I think, uh, again, I remember when I had had made my first choice, now I've made so many choices, but when I did make that, that first choice, I also recall reading when one person makes a, a grand life change, everyone else in the family also behind the scenes looks at themselves. Yes. And so they, you will, you'll go like, why is everyone uncomfortable with my choice? It's because they are actually looking at their, their themselves. It's like something erupts within them. So trying not to take it on personally, because they may react to your life choice going like, what are you doing? It's because internally they're going, if she could make that choice, something inside of me is going like, what, whatever it might be, like, why didn't I leave that job or what, right? Like, so to take a moment and just go, they're reacting to my choice, but it's actually fear about something else for within them. Totally. And like the only example like that's coming to mind right now that I could use is let's say a daughter is deciding to get divorced and she's like petrified to tell her parents because like there's generation, generation and generation of no divorces. She might be the first in the line and maybe that's cultural, maybe that's religious. And she's making the choice to improve her life and she knows she needs to do it. So then she goes and tells the parents their reaction. You don't know what they're thinking about. Maybe her mother's thinking, wow, I wish I had the balls to leave my husband 30 years ago. And like, we don't do that in this family. Like you suffer it out. You stick it out for the family. You know, so there's these family stories about values and choices and how family systems should work that you're a hundred percent right. When you make a choice and other people seem uncomfortable, it's because you've stirred, you've triggered something in them that they're not at peace with yet. And that is like, well, for people, people like that can change your whole perspective and actually give people a lot of courage of like, yeah, make that choice because it works for you. It doesn't have to work for other people. Your family doesn't have to agree with the choice you're making. And if they're really uncomfortable with that choice, there's something going on with them that they have to work through. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And in the end, I think usually just giving people like never to feel like you have to react to their reaction. Mm-hmm. Never just, have to react to it. Never have to react as much as we want to, because often we've been sitting with a a, a thought for ourselves. When we, I think that's a big thing for people to always say whenever you are going through something is when you say it out loud, you, that's the first time you're saying it, but often it's been years before you actually say it out loud. Um, so to always know that they're hearing it for the first time. So their reaction is going to be bigger. Um, and so you just give anybody time to process that. Um, I mean, I'm just now thinking this out loud, but mm-hmm. um, so you can always just give them that moment to get take any reaction they're going to need, knowing that you've had years to make, to work through it. They are just reacting for the first yes. time they hear something. Totally. And that's so common in so many different circumstances. Um, 
it's okay to give people time to mm -hmm. for them to process their emotions about whatever you're sharing with them and like what their initial reaction may be could be very different in six months or a year yes um and so sometimes we do have to give people time and space to process the information we're sharing with them mm -hmm. yes yeah. the inf the thoughts on um boundaries i just keep going back to it because it's just <laughs> i i just feel like the do you have um, information that you give people on on all of that, all of that detail on boundaries? No, I don't, but I should like I like a handout kind of thing for people to like take home. Yes. That's a good idea. It's more of a conversation, but I think people could probably benefit from kind of like a boundary guide, like boundaries boundary one on one. This yes. is what it could look like. I, yes. Such a good thought. That is a really good idea. It's funny because like you read about it and I'm I'm taking a class again on this and it's like I'm reading about it again um, and it's and I'm reading the textbook and I'm highlighting and I'm like, oh, this is juicy stuff. Like I I was trained in this years ago, but I'm relearning it and understanding it through a different lens each time I read it. So it, it's such a good idea. Yeah, I should definitely put something together. It's, it's something I, I mean, I, it comes up for me in almost every set, uh, session that I do now is, and I think I'm, I'm thinking now even about younger generation, just because of, um, and I don't, it's coming up right now on finances and financial boundaries, um, because that's the topic that comes up quite often between, and I, I know that will go back to, um, our family of origin. Um, cause I often say, do you realize that that's a financial boundary? And that's a boundary all in itself. And people go, oh, I didn't know that was a boundary. And I said, well, can you, is that something you discuss with your partner? And they'll say, well, no, I just, I spend and he doesn't. And then, and it's a conversation topic. Well, are you crossing your partner's boundaries by overspending? Um, and, you know, when your partner doesn't want you to spend. And so each of you understanding what your boundaries are, even that one boundary, and how that can build resentment between two people when one wants to spend more and one doesn't want to spend more and how you can create um, you know, something around that so that boundary no longer needs to be crossed. So both people can you know, have their needs met and, and eliminate that. Um, and so they'll, they'll both look at me and go, I never thought of that. But yes. that in itself is so huge huge and finance finances are a huge point of contention in relationships yes especially if the partners came from very different financial backgrounds off yes. the bat different levels of socio socioeconomic status um that needs to be talked about and it's always my suggestion from for people that are partnering up or they're looking at the relationship as being a long-term commitment or they're going to get married this has to be a conversation what will our finances look like? Who's in charge of the budget? Who's in charge of paying the bills? It's part of like what we call a relationship contract. Like we all have these unspoken relationship contracts. <laughs> you say the same thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a relationship contract. Like there's rules about everything in our relationship that are often unspoken, but we have to speak about them. So yes. we're on the same page. Yes. And in life, we're taught like, you don't talk about religion or politics 
or finances. Like that's rude. You don't ask someone how much they make, right? But when you're in a partner relationship, you got to talk about the finances. You got to talk about the politics. You got to talk about religion. You have to. And so we have to get nitty gritty down and dirty with these really uncomfortable conversations. I actually agree. I have that this is so exciting. I think that we also need to be talking. I, I say to people that a contract should be signed uh, with each other. And just like a job that you review your contract every two years to make Love sure that. that you're both um, meeting the contract needs, because yes. if, if, if you're not meeting your contract, why are you still there? Yeah. And so you just come together, you review your contract and go like, okay, well, how do I level up? You just like job security. You want to know you're in your relationship security. So, Hey, let's review the contract. How, how um, am I still doing what, am I meeting the needs for you? Are you meeting my needs? Because that's how you know that, okay, well, should we add another point to this contract? Good. And I also think beyond politics, which is the uncomfortable thing, I truly believe that sexual uh, boundaries and sexual conversations need to happen at the beginning. And um, to really be saying like, talk about what you like, talk about what you want, talk about what what you need um, and to be really open and then to be able to in your contract talk about hey how about another paragraph um, <laughs> I love it yes I love the fact that you're saying like revisit this conversation whether it's spoken or written down every two years you're so right because you know what um, boundaries change due to our life cycle changes so families and relationships are moving through time and space right so where partners were when they met are going to be in a very different place five years 10 years 15 years 20 years later right so you have to constantly assess these boundaries what a date night used to look like or weekend used to look like in your 20, 30 somethings will look very different when you're in your fifties and sixties, or when you have small children, or when you have teenagers, you have to really constantly reassess and be open to the fluidity of boundaries changing and communicate about it because that's where a lot of conflicts happen. One person expects the change, thought about it in their head, but didn't have a conversation about it. And the other partner is still expecting it to be different Um, And then here we have a fight, right? And we see a lot of this happen, like when couples go from um, not having children, then having children, right? That's a huge change. We see it when um, people who are divorced start dating someone and they both have kids, right? So then that's a whole other conversation when we're blending families. Like, what does that look like when we're blending families? What does it look like when we're empty nesters? What does it look like when someone's out of work or or if two people are working. So I totally agree with what you're talking yeah. about with this contract. Yeah, I think it's it's something where people think that's too business-like, but I think if you're really, we're, we're in, we're in a business of life. And I think it's the healthiest way where I know, and probably like for you, this is where um, you want that open communication. You're, you want that dialogue where you can be so deep, silly, free, and, um, and honest with people. So, and that's where I, and I've said this, where it sounds blunt, but I'm like, you know what, if you're going to be in a long-term relationship, the reality is that relationship will die and bloom again and, and be okay with that. 
yeah see it as that that the death the start the death the start and be all right to know that at points you're not really going to like each other mm -hmm. <laughs> but know that that's why you're just going to be like okay here we go it's like you said a season like it's just and here we go but we're going to review and die and review and die and over and over yes it's funny i had a colleague say to me last uh week she remembers like when she had her third kid she looked at her husband and was like oh i remember i hate you for the first year after a baby's born <laughs> <laughs> and like we know for this year it's gonna be rocky and it's gonna be rough but then we get back on the same page right so yes. it's okay to be out in the open with your partner about the changing of the contract you know what you're yes. able to do as a partner now might look different in two years and i love that you encourage that with your couples yes oh this has been so good I'm so glad. Thank you. So I always like to end it with if you could give um, one sort of little piece of advice for people that are, and I, I'm going to say with couples, one piece of advice that you would give um, for them um, if they were looking for something to do um, uh, on a, on a, I mean, we've done a lot of things, but maybe if they were looking at working with their family of origin what would that be so if they're looking to work with their family family of origin meaning like set more boundaries with them that kind yeah, of yeah that would be great maybe that's it yeah um i would start slow with practice um because that will build your confidence with setting the boundary because there's a lot of feet we have fear what what's what gets in the way is fear I'm afraid if I truly say what I feel, I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to be abandoned, I'm going to lose out on some kind of love, or I'm going to cause some kind of conflict. Um, that might happen. That might happen. Most of the time it doesn't. And it's our worst case scenario playing out in our mind. And we have to take a small step of communicating boundaries. So I'm just like, even thinking this holiday season, this could be practice. You know, you're so used to going to Thanksgiving at uncle Johnny's, but you're sick of going because everyone just gets drunk and you're miserable the whole time. And someone insults someone else. And Thanksgiving is just the worst. Maybe this year you set a boundary. Hey, I'm coming to Thanksgiving for dessert this year. We're not going to be able to make dinner. Um, so looking forward to dessert what can I bring so it's like a limited time and people are going to be like why why not and like suck you back in stick to the boundary and it will be okay mom might be mad dad might be mad but it's still going to be okay right or you reverse it we're coming for two hours and then we're going to dessert at someone else's house this year right so you practice small you're not skipping out on the whole thanksgiving you're showing that you're still putting in the effort but you know for yourself you need it to be time limited so I think Maybe this is my advice. Time limited interactions is a good place to start. Um, if like you know, that. like spending the weekend at your parents' house, you always leave in a foul mood and there's always some kind of conflict. Don't spend the weekend anymore. You go for the day, you do a day trip, you meet for a lunch, you meet for a dinner. So start thinking about time limited interactions with the family members and see how that feels and if you feel any different leaving because you know there's an end and you can kind of control when it ends and you it's okay to spend less time with people because it's quality over quantity if you have a better conversation with a family member over dinner 
you can leave on that note and be like, that was a great dinner. But if you spend the week with them and you know, by the end of the week, you're fighting, you're leaving that like, oh, I never want to see them again. So I think learning what your time limits are with family members this holiday season is probably the biggest takeaway right now. Love it. That's, that's a, that's a huge takeaway. Like being, I like that. Yeah. Setting your time boundary. That's great. Yeah. And where can people find you? Sure. So everything can be found on my website, carinocounseling.com, but I'm also on Instagram at thoughts from the couch. Um, and my podcast is thoughts from the couch on Apple, Spotify, um, and Amazon. Um, and I'm currently creating an online program. I haven't talked too much about it. I'm such a procrastinator with it, but I have my whole outline. I'm going to start to record the modules soon, but it's going to be an online program on helping people learn how to manage their anxiety. And in there, there's some, um, content on setting boundaries. There'll be a boundary setting script because I find that a lot of people that I work with are the people pleaser type and they have a really hard time being assertive with their family members. So this course is designed for them. Um, so if someone's interested, they can join my email list, which could be found right on my website. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, this was so good. This Thank you so great. much. Thank I really you. enjoyed this conversation. I'm honored to be a guest. Yes. This was, this was great. And just perfect time for everyone right around the holiday season to create yeah. their boundaries. There you go. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you soon.